Welcome back, Gator Country. Brand new, exciting podcast, and I've got my man, David Soderquist. Probably said it wrong because I'm going to say it wrong. Uh, we're back, and we're going to do. Um, we're going to start doing this podcast. We're going to be back and uh, doing it uh, two times a week like uh, before, um, and we'll be back doing our recaps as always, our previews, get, bringing on some guests, uh, doing it in the video format as well. Uh, so if you're if you're just listening to us or reading the transcript or video, um, we're on video as well. And David's coming over. Um, big fan of David. I uh, joined his podcast a few times. And uh, David, first, before we get going, uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Man, I'm just a, a crazy guy, man. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Florida Gators. Uh, I, I don't walk on crates and bust my face on the, the concrete. But uh, yeah, I definitely love my tailgates and hopefully nobody brings any crates to the tailgates this year but uh yeah man great gator fanatic here uh i've been doing podcasting for a while and uh did some over for chop talk and now i'm over here at gator country man and i'm excited to uh begin this journey with you andrew spivey over here and uh yeah man it's just great to be back in the podcasting world it took about a month hiatus there and uh you know kind of twiddled my thumbs there was waiting to get back in the podcasting world now i'm here with you andrew and it's uh it's, it's, it's great to be a florida gator man did you see the Oriole? Doing the, uh, you know, they, they, I guess, screenshotted him in, whatever, when the Orioles finally won and he conquered the crate. That was, that was pretty good. I, I didn't know. I'll be honest. I was watching through Facebook. Can you get those dumb videos that come through Facebook? And oh, it was just some crazy guy. It was a, it was a big guy and offensive line guy and he was trying to do it. I thought it was a joke. You know, I didn't know that it was this new thing going on. So you're not going to catch me, uh, walking over no crates. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, uh, but I, I did post a, uh, a video of Hevesy. Uh, uh, if you didn't watch it, it was like a uh, when you go up to the, the, the final crate, it's a five-star. You come down, it's a four-star, it's a three-star, and he just falls and hits his face. So, yeah, that, that pretty, yeah. Much, <laughs> pretty much uh, just takes up for all the offensive line recruiting that we've had here lately. But, uh, you well, know. <laughs> we'll get into that because it's been, um, you know, it's, it's been a circus. Uh, you know, offensive line has been a, an adventure. Um, it's been an adventure for the last three years. Um, yeah. Some good news, um, you know, overall, uh, you know, that Florida's done really well in certain positions. Uh, you know, Nick Evers looks to be now, you know, I think we all knew Nick was going to be a really, really good prospect and commit for Florida. But it's looking like Nick's the guy that, you know, Florida's been missing. Him. And, and myself, you know, I, I've missed covering guys like Nick who just absolutely love recruiting, who absolutely love the process, who, you know, love to talk about the process. And, um, you know, Nick, his family, his family's very involved. You know, we, we, we all make fun of, you know, and make jokes. Well, Miss Evers is on him. She is on him. So is dad. Um, you know, if Florida eventually lands Evan Stewart, you could thank Nick and his family. I yeah. mean, they're huge in the Evan Stewart thing. You know, I, and I say this all the time, but you only have a select few guys every year that are like love recruiting, love to help you get the guys on campus. Nick's one of those guys. You know, we always talked about Tebow loved it. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think back. You know, you, you always had Nick Washington. He yeah. loved to recruit. Nick loves to recruit. Yeah, uh, definitely. If you see it now, Monica Evers just started following me too. So uh, shout out to Monica Evers out there. Finally, I got the follow from her. But, uh, yeah, you could just tell Nick loves recruiting. He loves the sport. He wants a, a good education, wants to come to the University of Florida, doesn't get involved too much into the hype of uh, when people are throwing around bags and all that other kind of stuff, the NIL stuff, all that crap. 
He doesn't really get into all of that. He's just one of those straight-up guys that just wants to get an education, wants to play at a good, accredited university. And thank God his family and his mom and everybody is best friends with Evan Stewart because right now if you had me to pick where Evan Stewart was going to land, I would pick Florida. I don't know about you, and that's, that's not being, being a homer. I actually think that would happen. And uh, you even try to see him getting the Walter Nolan's recruitment a little bit, which has been kind of funny here lately. Yeah, we'll get into Walter in a second. But, you know, even with Nick, though, you know, and, and, and I'll be the first to admit, you know, when, when Nick first committed, you know, I had to go watch some more film of his. Um, I was a fan of his, but I didn't really know how good of an arm he really had, you know, really what it all I brought. Then we got to see him at Friday Night Lights, and the guy's got a rocket. I mean, he throws a really, really good ball. He's mechanically sound. Um, you can tell that he's been taught really well. Um, you can you can just tell that he has the fundamentals to be really good. And um, and then you you know you put Evan with him. It's you know that's two really good players who yeah. played together for a long time. And you know he's a winner. Um, everything that goes along with it. You know the family's all bought in, so you don't really have to worry about you know any of the recruiting process uh, there. I, again, I, I think Florida has a winner with, with Nick. I, I really do. And. You know, people's ask me, well, is he going to sit for three years? No, I don't think so. I don't either. I'll be honest. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, when I looked at his film, when, when he first committed to Florida, I think he was ranked in the 400s. I looked at yeah. his film, and I noticed how he went through his reads really fast, knew where the football was going. Within, like, two seconds, like, that football was gone. It was getting to a receiver, and he was accurate. And I was right. like, how's this guy 400? But I knew it was the beginning of the recruiting cycle as well, too, so I knew he was more than likely going to go to camps and increase that recruiting rank. Now he's at like 188 in an overall composite. And uh, yeah, it just goes to show you that Dan Mullen, you know, has a knack for looking at talent before it gets developed, uh, I guess, in high school. Because, I mean, look at Isaiah Bond. Now he's a top 200 guy. Now he's, I think he's in the 100s now. But I always told people, man, like when somebody recruits, look at the film first. Because especially if it's at the beginning of the recruiting cycle, who cares if it's a three-star? They can wind up a four-star, five-star before the end of the cycle. That's what happened to Gervon Dexter. Gervon Dexter was a three-star, went up to four-star. Now he's a five-star at the end of the cycle, proved to be one heck of a defensive you know, defensive yeah. lineman there. So it's like you never really know with these kids until they go to these camps. Well, and I think it's even more particular you know, and more true after what we faced last year. Right. A lot of us didn't get out on the road, um, you know, and, and I made this comment to somebody the other day, and that is the guys who are seniors now, we, have, we usually would have seen them two or three times. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you usually seen them in camp as a junior and then at the camp as a senior. We, we didn't see that. Um, and so you, you, you miss that, and you miss that evaluation process, and I think you're going to see – Really, as the senior year goes on, and you know, even some of these juniors, you know, I look at Aaron Gates who committed to Florida on on Thursday. You know, he's a, a low ranked guy as well. But when you turn on his film and when you see him in person, he's not a low ranked guy. Right. He just doesn't have a lot of film from from camps. And you know, there's a lot of people that didn't camp a lot this year because they didn't want to travel. Um, and and that's fine. I mean, you shouldn't punish a ranking, but. At the end of the day, you can only rank a kid off of what you've seen. So I, I do. I think Nick will be a guy who's who's way up there. And you know, I, for instance, Shamar James is another guy. You know, I, I, the last ranking that come out, he's close to a five star now. There's no doubt in my mind, Shamar James is one of the top fifty players in the country. Oh yeah, no, no doubt in my mind. But people are finally able to see it now a little bit more. Um, and, and I think 
when we look back in, you know, December after the senior years and junior years of some of these guys, I think you're going to see several guys, not just Florida commits, that rise a little bit in the rankings yeah. and drop for that matter. Yeah, uh, Julian Humphrey had a little bit of a drop, though, too, but it wasn't a major drop. I think what really happened was a bunch of people moved up, so he had to take the spot below him. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think there's a lot of these guys in this class that's going to move up more. Isaiah Bond's but probably going to be one of them. Chandler Smith, with his speed, might, you know, he probably will move up, too. Uh, I just don't see any of these kids, like, moving up or down, unless it's like a C.J. Hawkins or somebody that really doesn't have any film. And, uh, you know, just kind of going into that 10-in role, being more of a basketball player kind of guy. So you're not really going to see a big recruiting ranking bump from somebody like C.J. Hawkins or anything like that. But, uh, I mean, to have a 6-7 tight end that's already, what, 220, 230 coming into your class that, that, you know, under the tutelage of the coaching staff and all that, he could be a really good tight end. Now, that's a tall guy to have as a tight end, taller, taller than Kyle, you know, Kyle Pitts. You know, maybe might not have the wingspan, but definitely a guy that that's t- that's that tall can get over those DBs and, and, and catch the football. So it's, it's it's cool to see that. You know, like I said before, Dan Mullen sees the talent. I think before it actually gets developed and uh, you know in high school, and then he can develop it more when he gets to the college level. And uh, you know, I, I, I sometimes I just don't look at the stars sometimes, but it is. You know, you've got to get some of these in-state elite recruits. That's one of the biggest things that I have a, a knock on Dan Mullen is getting the in-state recruits. That's that's huge. If you can't land in-state recruits, then you're going to places like Texas, which he's done very well in right now. But getting these in-state recruits is what really matters, and uh, I think that's the only knack I have on Dan Mullen thus far. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've been a critic, and I'll be the first to admit, you know, you, especially at tight end position. And, you know, you look at a guy like Joel Skinner, um, you look at, um, you know, Delp, Oscar Delp, and some of these guys, and you want to be able to capitalize off of what Kyle Pitts is able to do. And you work. Um, You know, is that a slide on Tim Brewster? Is that a slide on Florida? Is that a slide on Dan Mullen? I don't know that it is one particular person in general, Um, more as a whole. Um, You look at, for instance, last year with what happened at the in-state receivers and, you know, Aggie Hall, um, you, you had several guys, the top guys who went out of state. Billy Gonzalez still got a lot of good players. He didn't get those top in-state guys. And, right. you know, I think that's where has to change. You know, I, I look at, for instance, next year, Peyton Kirkland, one of the best offensive linemen in the country from Orlando. John Hevesy has to land him, you know, and, if Hebesy, you know, may not be able to go out of state and land a five-star, but Orlando is your backyard. You right. should be able to land that guy. And, you know, again, I've always said this, and you may disagree with this. Florida should never be outside the top five in recruiting. No, they never. It's, there's too good of talent in the state of Florida, the state of Georgia, you know, Alabama even, you know, South Carolina's, you know, pretty close drive, North Carolina. Um, they should never be outside top five. And for the most part, you're looking at, you know, anywhere from eight to 12 recruiting classes. Yep. I just don't know how you make that into a potential every year Clemson, Alabama, where you're in the, in the playoffs, especially with Oklahoma and Texas about to come in. You know, I think at some point things have to jump. And the argument is, well, you get the transfer portal. Yeah, that's true. Okay, you got DeMarcus Bowman as a five-star, but you still are not landing. You know, you, you went to the offensive line portal. You landed nobody. Yep. And, and, you so know, I, 
you got to think about this too. Other other teams are are getting into the portal though too. So like right. I, I mean, look at what Georgia did. They 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 you know they got the the corner from Clemson, and then obviously the uh, tight end situation to wide receiver probably is not working out <laughs> there mentally either. But I mean, they still pulled two five stars as well, and those aren't factored into the recruiting rankings, right? So. You know, you, you don't really know where Florida should actually be in the recruiting rankings until you look at every team and what they've done in the portal. So uh, those guys that are saying, oh, well, we got all these guys, so really we're number eight or number seven. No, you're not. <laughs> these other teams got people out of the portal, too. you got to look at what they got, too. So, you know, right. it, it, yeah. it, it, the, the reason why we don't have top five classes is because you're not getting the top talent in your own state. If you got the top talent in your own state, you would have a top mm-hmm. five class easy because Florida – Florida pumps out all this talent every single year, and it's the most talent that you see in the whole nation. It's it's Florida, it's it's California, Florida, and Texas, pretty much, and then Georgia too. Georgia yeah. Georgia has a lot of talent as well. Right. So yeah, yeah. you know, I always was told this, and that is dominate within 500 miles. Yep. Dominate within 500 miles because you know you think about 500 miles driving 70 miles an hour. That's six hours, seven hours to get there. That's that's drivable for a parent to get there, drivable for, you know, to get home if you need to get home. Uh, dominate within 500 miles. Really dominate within 250 miles. And if you take that 250-mile radius, that includes Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, and you're not doing that. You know, it's, uh, you, you look at a guy like Jaheim Singletary yep. from Jacksonville, the five-star corner. Yeah, yes, he's going to visit Florida for the FAU game. And, yes, Florida's in the mix with Georgia and Miami. But when Florida's going well, there's no – well, other schools are involved. This is – he's committed, he's in your class, locked up, boom, you're done. It's not that case anymore, and it's not going to happen overnight. And you wanted to see success on the field, and you're starting to see some success on the field. But at some point, recruiters have to be recruiters. And I know everyone you know, wants to jump and say, well, Georgia's the bag man. They got the bag man. They're paying everybody, this, that, and the other. The NIL is is going to help that. And at some point or another, the staff has to overcome whatever it may be. You're about to have a new football facility. Yep. What's going to be the excuse next? And that's where I'm at. In, in order to be able to compete for playoffs every year, you have to be top five, at worst six or seven. Right. And I, I'm one of those fans that's not okay with 10-2 and two in a New York Six Bowl game every year. I, I want to make it to the playoffs. And if we had a chance you don't want Mark year, Rick 2.0? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want Mark Rick 2.0. I, I, th- I think Georgia has that right now, but, yeah. but with better talent. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and you know, and, and that, that's a good point. Do, would you, and people always say this, would you rather have a developer or a recruiter? Right. And I don't know that you can choose. I don't know that you can choose and, and, and win. I think Nick you, Saban's both. Jabba Sweeney's both. you got to have both. Yeah. You know, the, the jury's a little out on Lincoln Riley, but I do think Lincoln Riley can develop guys, um, but it's still out there. Um, you know, Urban Meyer was really good at it. Ryan Day's really good at it. That's what hurts Jim Harbaugh. He's a terrible developer. He can recruit okay, but he's a ter- terrible Terrible developer. Kirby Smart's awful at developing people. Got all the talent in the world. Can't yeah. develop nothing. Can't win. Can't beat Alabama. Can't beat Florida oh. when when they don't have a defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. So yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with Les Miles. Les Miles can recruit. Can't develop nobody. Right. <laughs> so we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, the, the arguments out there, and 
and I tell fans in general, and we'll get into this in a minute when we start talking about the season, but this is the year for Dan Mullen to prove it. Yep. These are his guys. Every one of these guys that are going to take the field, for the most part, are his guys. Um, there's a you know a handful of guys that are left over. These are his guys. Emory Jones was his guy. He yep. wanted him. This is your guy. This offensive line class is your offensive line. This is your guys now. There is no, okay, well, it's Jim McElwain's fault for not recruiting anymore or whoever it may be. This is yours, your guys. You and Todd Grantham and Billy Gonzalez and John Hevesy and Greg Knox, you got these guys. Yeah, and 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 to to make Florida Gator fans feel a little bit better, I guess, you know, if you go back and look at, you know, Dan Mullen's classes he had at Mississippi State and to, to now with, with getting rid of Jim McElwain's talent, now you got Dan Mullen's class. The overall talent level is way better than what he had at Mississippi State. It's way better than what yeah. he's ever had as a head coach. I'm not saying it was way better when he was an offensive coordinator here. It's not, but it's way better as a head coach. So now some Florida Gator fans are like, well, let's put up and shut up time. I'm one of those guys. These were your mm-hmm. guys. You recruited them. Now I know that you offered a bunch of guys and they didn't come, so that's one of the things. But right now, your overall talent is way better. You did lose Kyle Bitts. You did lose Kadarius Tony. You did lose a lot of good receivers, but you got a lot of good receivers back there, a lot of highly ranked receivers, especially number one, Jacob Copeland out there, uh, Xavier Henderson. I could go through all the, the wide receivers' names. But now you, you really – it's put up or shut up time. So that's what Florida Gator fans, most of them, especially me, are thinking. So we'll see what the season shakes out with. It, it, and I'm telling you right now, in, in week one and week two – if there's any kind of struggles, I'm not feeling confident about week three when it's coming up. Well, and I'll ask you that. <laughs> Is it okay for Florida to finish second in the East? No, not with me. No, I, I to me, no. Uh, I guess just because, you know, what I just laid out. You know, you have a better talent level. Look what you did at Mississippi State. Had him number one in the nation. Had, had yeah. Dak Prescott, and, and it's a bunch of three-star transfers, four-star guys, maybe a couple five-stars sprinkled in there, but not many. And uh, you, you did all of that over there at Mississippi State. You came here. Emory Jones is your guy. This is your quarterback. This is your system. You got Demarcus Bowman back there, a guy that's – we'll get into this too, a guy that's had a long touchdown every scrimmage. And uh, you've got to learn how to utilize your talent. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care about seniority. I want the best guy out there on the field. Period. End of story. But that's that just well, how we'll I get into it in a second. But it's going to be a different team. It's going to be a different style of play, um, for sure. And, and what you said is my kind of where I'm at, and that is, you know, and I don't get into preseason rankings. It's you know, it's a bunch of crap. And no, I don't care. It's about a bunch me. of yeah. I mean, it's a bunch of people who give educated guesses. Okay, cool. But guess what? Georgia's got guys who develop. I mean, we all talk about JT Daniels being terrible at Florida, but he may be really good. Georgia yeah. fans talking about how great he is. He may be terrible again. Uh, you know, we all think Bryce Young at Alabama is going to be really good. He may be terrible. We don't know. <laughs> so, you know, it's tough to say, well, you know, Florida's predicted to be finishing second behind Georgia. And I was one of those, you know, bozos up in Hoover who, who voted for him to be second in the SEC um, East. But I, for me, you're, you're taking a step back if you finish second because of the fact that you got to Atlanta. You know, your motto all season is you are six points away from beating the national champion. So if you if you don't win, you take a step back. And, you know, Dan Mullen likes to say, well, you know, we've been in three straight New Year's Six Bowl games. 
That's fine yeah. and dandy, but at the University of Florida, that means jack crap to, to most fans. Playing for the playoffs and winning the playoffs is there, you know, and, and not getting getting to Atlanta doesn't mean anything. Winning in Atlanta. I mean, Jim McElroy yep. was there twice. Neither time did it look like they showed up, but they were there. Yeah, they were there. <laughs> they were there with Treon Harris one time, and then the other time these got blown mm. out. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. It, it, we don't – as a Florida fan, I don't care about SEC East titles. I want to win the SEC championship. I want to go to the playoff. If you, if you win the SEC championship this year, you go to the playoff, and God forbid you lose in the playoff, I'm not upset. That, that's a step forward. As long as we see a step forward, that's all I care about. And, and week three, even if you lose to Alabama week three, but it's a close one. I mean, you, it, it's the perfect time to catch them off guard. You got them at home. It's week three. They're starting a new quarterback. It's the perfect time to beat Alabama. But this is another question that popped up in my head. If you beat Alabama, you win the SEC East, you're probably going to play Alabama again. Can Dan Mullen beat Alabama twice? That's Good luck. the kicker. <laughs> I don't know that anybody has. Yeah. Uh, I would have to go back and look. I mean, the last few times Saban's lost and then had to play them. I mean, the one that comes back to mind is LSU that year. Was, they beat them by a field goal and then in the um, Sugar Bowl. You know, Alabama didn't even allow them to get past the 50. Uh, in the national championship game, oh, yeah, but, that was a you know, game. and I'll say this, and this is a uh, something that I've thought about, and that is, if you beat Alabama but you lose to Georgia and you finish second in the East, yeah, is that a now success because you beat Alabama? You know, so while getting to Atlanta it has to be the goal, and if you don't get to Atlanta, it's disappointment. There's ways to say the program improved, and I agree with that. But for me, it also stays off the field in this recruiting. And I guess let's hit on Walter Nolan real quick before we kind of move into some prediction stuff. And, you know, he, he's the typical five star who loves social media, yeah. loves to tweet everything that comes to mind. And, you know, obviously there's some talk that others are tweeting for him. And I don't know. I can't confirm or deny that. It may be true. It may not be true. I don't, I don't know. Uh, obviously he put out a top three on Tuesday of A&M, Tennessee and Georgia after saying it was A&M, Tennessee and Florida about two weeks before that. Yeah. Then he comes up on Wednesday and says it's open again. So who knows? Um, somebody just the wanted thing some, go ahead. I said, somebody just wanted some Instagram followers. That's, yeah, I think that's what, what was it, was. it? Eleven thousand, and he would commit. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've seen a commitment yet. Have you? Yeah. And, and would that commitment know. stick? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think so either. And so, you know, Walter Nolan's a guy that I think Florida needs to land for a couple of reasons. A, it would be that splash on the recruiting front, and I don't want to say landing Evan Stewart's not, but you kind of get punished for leading for a kid for so long. And mm. everyone has kind of known Evan Stewart was leaning towards Florida. So you kind of get punished for for that. Walter Nolan, for instance, is a guy that you were trailing for for most of the summer. I mean, most of the spring into the summer when you got him on campus. Landing him is huge. Do I like Florida's chances? Not at all. No. Not at all. He plays, what, 10 minutes from Neyland Stadium in Tennessee. I, I don't like it. But he's the guy they need to land. And you, you want to turn it around? You want to be playoff contenders every year? Land Walter Nolan. Yeah, and, you, and this time you don't have to use McDonald's bags. They can just, uh, you can just go through a business and just hand him some money if you wanted to. So. 
<laughs> what was it, Ohio State? You know, they're handing out keys now and taking pictures of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not like they weren't doing that before, though, right? <laughs> no, it was just, you know, it was showing up in the parking lot and saying, oh, there's a car out there that somebody left, and you can have it if you want it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, Walter Nolan's recruitment's just been weird, man. Uh, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he would release another top three in another month, and it wouldn't be anybody. And then he, I think he said at one point he was going to commit in August. All right. Yeah. And, uh, I yeah. Heard anything before the season? Yeah, before the season. Well, we'll see. But uh, yeah, de- he's definitely visiting for the uh, Alabama Florida game. Uh, that's that's a definite. Right now it is. I don't know if he's going to change his yeah. mind or not. <laughs> Looks like he changes his mind every 10 seconds out there. But, yeah, I mean, Walter Nolan's recruitment's just been kind of weird. But, uh, yeah, I, I I am really confident on Evan Stewart, but Walter Nolan, I'm just not – I'm not sold on him yet. Yeah, and again, is it – you know, is there one person to blame for it? No, not at all. No. There's so many factors working against Florida here. You know, do you have the right to be upset that you don't land him? Absolutely. At Florida, you should expect to land him. But at the same time, you know, there is a lot of factors that go on. And, you know, again, do you are you upset about it? You know, yes. But are you mad at Dan Mullen or David Turner? Does David Turner a lesser-known recruiter? Or, you know, is Dan Mullen a worse recruiter because of it? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, but, again, it's big. It's big to land him. It's, it's huge to land him. You've got to land one of these guys. You know, I always say landing Tebow for Urban Meyer started the ripple effect. Yeah. Who's going to be that ripple effect for, you know, Dan Mullen? Julio Jones was the guy for Nick Saban. And I don't care what anyone says, Julio Jones was the guy for Nick Saban because it opened the pipeline. People started to follow Julio Jones because he was that national guy who everybody loved. Did they, you know, did Nick Saban have to do anything special to land Julio Jones? No, not at all. He was in their backyard. Um, and, and maybe that's somebody that, you know, Dan Mullen does land, the Jacksonville kid or, a, you know, a Tampa kid or Orlando kid or whatever it may be. You've got to have that signature recruit to get you going again. Walter Nolan could be that guy. Yeah, and he, he alludes to the fact that you've got to have a quarterback. You have to recruit a quarterback every single year. If he had the same attitude of, I got to recruit an elite recruit at at least every position every year. We'd be fine. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard to do sometimes, I guess, but elite recruiters recruit elite. So, but anyway, we, we yeah. did, we did pick up a uh, commit today though, by the name of yeah. Aaron Gates, a uh, 2023 athlete, uh, I know he's a uh, what was a three star right now. Um, yeah, something like that. It's 2023 though. Plenty of time to up that ranking, or yeah, I don't think it's going to get any worse if you look at his film. But uh, yeah, definitely, uh, it's good to see that we've got a 2023 recruit, especially after getting two top 100 kids in that 2023 class. A good start that we have to this class as well. And unfortunately, we did have a good start to the 2022 class in Sam McCall, and you know how that one went. But, uh, I mean, it doesn't look too bad right now with the uh, the guys that we got in there now with their rankings climbing up. So, yeah, man, it's good to get a good start, though. You always want to get a start with elite recruits because other elite recruits want to play with other elite recruits. So, yeah, Aaron Gates, good friends with Chief Borders, um, yeah. you know, from, from last year. Um, very close with his dad. And so, yeah, big one. I mean, Mac Markway is a big one. You know, Raymond Cottrell's a big one. Both of those guys are – are two guys that are, are really, really good. Um, you know, and, and it's not to knock on those guys at all. Yeah. It's just you still haven't found your piper of, of that class that 
league go-getter of that class. And, you know, and Nick Evers is that guy for, for this class. Um, and maybe he turns out to be that guy that's that turning point for, for Dan Mullen. Um, and hopefully it is. Um, you need that guy in the 2023 class. Obviously, it'll probably be another quarterback because you recruit a quarterback every year. Um, yep. But like you said, got to find an offensive tackle somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean – you need too bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right now you're doing with David Connor, yeah, and Tony Livingston. Neither of those guys. I mean, Livingston is now, you know, telling people he wants to be known as a jumbo athlete. I mean, where's the kid going to play? Right, tight end. So you have one offensive tackle and David Connor, and he's more of a guard right now. So you know, we we could talk recruiting all day. Um, it's got to get better. I mean, it does. It has to get better. Um, and I don't know that you can continue to say the results are going to make recruiting better because results are getting better. And unfortunately, recruiting hasn't gotten better. Yeah, look at Miami. <laughs> their yeah, results never get better, but their recruiting yeah. always gets better. <laughs> How does that work? Same, hey, same well, with Kirby Smart, kind of. I mean, Kirby Smart's been to a national championship. I'll, I'll give him that. But, I mean, what have you seen come better out of Georgia – ever since he's been to the national championship. Nothing. Same record. I will say this. For, for Kirby, and, and this, is, this for me is the biggest thing for Kirby. Kirby has decided he is going to dominate the state of Georgia. Yeah. And you look at it, for the most part, he does dominate the state of Georgia. Obviously, Alabama gets their guys, and, you know, Auburn still lands a few, and Florida still landed a few, and Clemson, you know, still gets a few. But for the most part, the top guys – year in and year out, have been going to, to Georgia. Um, and, again, that's a recipe to win and a recipe to have a really good recruiting class when you have a state like that. I mean, Alabama obviously couldn't rely on it. There's not enough players. Um, you know, Ohio couldn't – I mean, Ohio State couldn't do it because of Ohio. Um, but you look at Texas, Oklahoma, they could do that. USC, when USC is really good, they rely on the state of California to dominate. Um, they haven't done that lately, and guess what? They've been terrible. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 uh, I guess to, I guess, Kirby's credit, all he really has to compete with is Georgia Tech in Georgia. I mean, who else does he really have to Jeff Collins is getting better now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he is. He is. Jeff, uh, is that how you say it? Geoff Collins? <laughs> Jeff. Jeff Collins. Okay, so he, yeah. Yeah. He, he was only a coach here for so long, and I still didn't learn how to say his name. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's gotten that team better. Obviously changed the uh, triple option there to a pro-style offense. But, yeah, that that would be something to see Georgia Tech upset Georgia one time. <laughs> I'm a big Jeff Collins fan. He, uh, he reps the 404. You know, I rep the 404. And, yeah, you know, there you go. The, the A-Town got going the A-town on. Shirt on. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they have done well. I mean, obviously, again, they're you're not competing for the Justin Fields yet. Um, but – but yeah, he's given a little bit of competition. And again, for everything Curry sucks on the field, he's really good in recruiting. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and and we'll hit on this one day. We'll we'll, we'll make a po- I mean, we'll do a podcast about it. Um, you know, the way Kirby and Nick's approach to recruiting is just so much different than Dan's. Is it right? I don't know. I mean, they're very straightforward and put you on the spot. Is that good? Sometimes not. Is Dan's approach of being a little bit more lenient and saying go take visits good? Sometimes yes. 
sometimes terrible. Um, there's arguments both ways. Yeah, it, it, just you know, one last note on the recruiting. I know we're going to segue into other things here in a second. Um, it, it, when Walter Nolan posted his top three, right? You you see Georgia was in there, which really it shocked me because if you look at all the pictures that Walter Nolan right. that Georgia, nobody looked like they were happy to be there. <laughs> so I don't know if that's except out, for Big Walt, except for well, he had a helmet on though too, so you couldn't really yeah. see if he was smiling or not. <laughs> anyway, man, segueing from that, man, uh, I know we had some uh, practices and scrimmages this these, these past couple of weeks, and uh, there's some standout players in these scrimmages. Uh, one of the guys, obviously, that stood out to everybody, who everybody's talking about, is Demarcus Bowman, and um, we alluded to that. Uh, he had, I think, just about in every practice or scrimmage he's been in, minus his injury where he was out for a while, he's had a long touchdown run. And and it, and, and I know whether he's playing with threes or fours, twos or ones, to do that consistently in a long touchdown run, I mean, that's that's actually really hard to do. Uh, it, 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 I think. Demarcus Bowman's gonna see the field this year. It just a, it's just a matter of how many touches he's gonna get and where it's gonna be at. Uh, what, what, well, the old saying is, would you rather him dominate the threes or play down to his competition? Well, yeah, <laughs> rather him dominate it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, excuse me. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, no, I, know what, I know Dan Mullen alluded to uh, maybe him playing special teams a little bit with Xavier Henderson, Finley Graham there, but uh, you, you have to put Bowman on the field somehow. And you may not even see him the first two games. Uh, it, it, I've, I've thought about this concept as well. Is like, Do you really want to give away Bowman as a weapon the first two games when you got Alabama coming up and maybe you could sneak him in there? Or do you want to give him some playing time? I mean, that's you know that's something I've questioned a little bit. And, you know, it, it and I'm going to say as a fan, if I don't see DeMarcus Bowman the first two games, even in garbage time, I'm not going to be upset. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dan Mullen has said multiple times, and, you know, I always tell people this, and that is, Dan Mullen's never going to straight up tell you what he wants to tell you. You better read between the lines. Yeah. Dan Mullen has made too many references, out of references about being multiple in running backs on the field. It's going to happen. Don't get mad if it don't happen week one or week two, because it may happen week three to be a complete surprise. And it wouldn't shock me at all if it wasn't Demarcus Bowman and Damian Pierce, Demarcus Bowman and Lorenzo Lingard, or Lingard and Malik Davis, or Naquan Wright. And you know, your running back room is your best room you got. Yep. Offensively, offensively. Um, I mean, you have Damian Pierce, who's a difference maker. Malik Davis does things differently. Um, Naquan Wright's kind of a do-it-all kind of guy. Yeah. Lingard's more of a bounce-it-outside kind of guy. And Bowman's kind of a do-it-all guy. Um, you got five guys there. Can it, There's only one ball, so can you, can you get all five of those guys enough you know, reps and, and games, enough touches to really utilize them? Or is it the, old, you know, the age-old saying where you spread it around so much that the guys don't get hot. I don't know. I, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. Um, but, it, you know, it wouldn't shock me at all to see Lorenzo Lingard or Demarcus Bowman out flat slot receiver playing Kadarius Tony's role. It, it just wouldn't. Yeah. Those are your best athletes. Yeah, and, and, and You know, going – I was just going to say going with a set, and, I, and I've talked about – I mean, I've thought about this a lot. Going with a set of Copeland, Xavier Henderson, 
Demarcus Bowman, Lorenzo Lingard as your four with your tight end, that's not a bad five yeah. at all. Not too shabby, huh? <laughs> yeah, a lot of speed. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 that's a good problem to have. I mean, all those running backs, especially, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure Damian Pierce is going to get to start the number one running back there. And if you look at Damian Pierce last year, 508 yards rushing in a primary pass offense, still pretty good. I mean, I, I, that's that's half of a thousand, and, and and you're not really running the ball, and then you're switching between Malik Davis and Naquan Wright as well. So, I, like, I I actually am really excited for this whole running back room. I really don't care who sees the field, especially in this new offense, with with how they're going to run it. I, I I think all these running backs bring something different to the table. You know, you got Pierce with his power, Malik Davis, who can play slot, who can catch the ball out of the backfield. Naquan Wright is just kind of like that do-it-all running back. He can do anything. And, uh, you know, really, really good in high school as well. And uh, I think he was a little underrated in his recruiting ranking. So, yeah, I mean, that running back position is a very interesting position this year. And I think that uh, we're going to get a little bit of sample size in week one and two. We're really going to find out week three what these running backs are made of. Well, and, and, you know, you look at last year. You were basically 80-20, 85-15, yeah. pass to run. If we look at the end of the year and it's 60-40, run to pass, I won't be shocked. Yeah, That's what this team's about. That's what's scary about this team, too, because do you really trust your offensive line in running situations? If you're 60-40, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, that – Excuse me, that is the biggest question this year. Yeah, it's the offensive line. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, team's going to have to count for the run now. I mean, it's, it's yeah. bad. I mean, look, if you look at last year with Emory Jones, you know, every, Emory Jones averaged 6.8 yards uh, rushing the ball last year when he was in the game. And you saw the offensive line kind of meshed a little bit better. I mean, Gene DeLance, and I, and I know a lot of people don't like Gene DeLance or want to <laughs> say whatever they want to about him. He's not the best. At a bull rush, he's not going to guard you at a bull rush. He's gonna right. he's he's gonna freak out, and your quarterback's gonna get sacked. But when you got a running quarterback, and the team has to account for a running a quarterback, and he's out there and, and he's doing blocks, and if you've seen him do blocks when when Emory Jones in the game, he actually did pretty well because he has that one guy he's just got to take care of. That's it. He's got to mm-hmm. he don't have to worry about anybody else. So I think it makes it a little bit easier on Gene Delance. So I, I, that's well, why Delance even play. You know, that's a question that yeah. has been out there a little bit. Stuart Reese is working a little bit at right tackle with Josh Braun working at right guard and Kingsley at center and um, uh, Ethan at, at left guard and, and then Garage at left tackle. And, you know, I, I said this before. This team will go as far as the offensive line allows it to. Yeah. I don't know that you can scheme around the offensive line with Emory Jones. That's not me picking on Emory Jones. I think Emory Jones is a really good quarterback. But Emory Jones needs an offensive line to be able to block for him. He's not your Kyle Trask where he's going to be able to drop back and hit you know five-yard passes all day long and nickel and dime you down the field. That's not Emory Jones' game. That's not fair to ask Emory Jones to do that. It's not fair to ask Anthony Richardson to do that. Anthony Richardson can do that a little better than Emory Jones can. Yeah. Um but that's not his game. Um, I don't expect Dan Mullen to put him in that situation. I mean, Mullen does a very good job of working around um, his quarterback. But this offensive line at some point or another has to take the, you know, bull by the horns and say, hey, follow us. We're going to get you to where it is. Like you said, Alabama week three. That's going to be a test. Yeah. You know, LeBron Ray, some of those guys up front, you're not going to block them by just leaning on them. FAU, yeah. you may be able to lean on them and block them. 
you're not leaning on Alabama and blocking on Emory Jones will be on his back before you know it if that happens. <laughs> Yeah, you're definitely going to have to scheme around some of the deficiencies there when you come into week three. <laughs> yeah. I know that. You you mentioned him, Anthony Richardson. Man, he's had a, he's had a good scrimmage, man. He's yeah. actually, from the reports, he's done better than Emory Jones. Now, we don't know what kind of situations Emory Jones was in, according to you know Anthony Richardson. None of us are allowed to be there, no media members, nothing like that. But to see that Anthony Richardson is is – doing pretty well in these scrimmages is something good to see, especially for a backup quarterback, because you got to think, too, and I mentioned this, say you go into that first game, FAU, Emory Jones and, and whoever they have out there on the field, they light them up, 35 to nothing at halftime. You know you're going to see Anthony Richardson, right? So now the team, and, and, and if, you, if we do the projected starters, they're going to have to face Anthony Richardson, Lingard, Bowman, all those guys down yeah. there on the depth charts. It's just going to be even worse. <laughs> I mean, that's a good problem to have, right? Well, and, you know, it continues to allow the two-quarterback system to happen. Uh, And, you know, we've asked Dan Mullen multiple times all fall, is Anthony Richardson going to play more than Emory Jones? And, you know, Mullen says game situation does, and rightfully so. I mean, Mullen goes in with a game plan, whether we like it or not, where he says on X series, the backup quarterback's going in. I hated it. I couldn't stand yeah. it because you, you would have a drive going where, you know, or you'd have a, a game going where Kyle Trask had back-to-back good series and there came Emory. I hated it, but that's what Mullen's going to do. And, again, it's great to see Anthony Richardson doing it. I'll say this, Anthony Richardson has every bit of the tools to be a starting quarterback and would start for a lot of teams in the SEC um, because of how good he is. I mean, he has the stature. He has the arm strength. He has the escapability. Um, he knows the playbook. He's really, really good. He's a very good combo with Emory Jones. And, you know, everyone wants to have a quarterback controversy. There's no quarterback controversy. No. Emory Jones is your starting quarterback. He's QB1 until he loses the job. And he's not right. losing the job before the FAU game. Yeah. Probably the Alabama game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens in that Alabama game for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I, I think Anthony Richardson also brings a different dynamic. He's he's the faster runner of the two. Let's let's just put that one out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's Emory Jones. It's Emory Jones' job to lose. I mean, if if you look at what Emory Jones has done, I mean, when he's been put in games, he's he's done fairly well. I mean, the Oklahoma game, you had three days of practice with a bunch of backups, and that just didn't fare well. But uh, yeah. you see, you've seen some flashes from Emory Jones in the run game, and how that offensive line was able to to kind of help him with the run game and all that. So we'll see. I mean, like, I don't. There's no quarterback controversy, nothing like that. I I think it's it's Emory Jones' job to lose, and we'll see. Like week three or even week four, if you're struggling against Tennessee after week three, yeah, uh, I think it's Anthony Richardson time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'll you'll see, and you know, we we look at the scrimmage, and you know, you see on the opposite side of the ball where. You know, a guy like Gervin Dexter and, and Jeremiah Moon, um, yep. those two guys have had really good scrimmages. Yep. You know, and you say, well, is that the offensive line from Florida being really bad? Or is it those two guys being really good? You know, it's the same old, same old in, in fall camp. Jason Marshall's had a couple, you know, INCs. Kyrie Elam's had a couple, um, you know, INCs. Is that Emory and, you know, the quarterbacks being really bad? Or is that the DBs making good plays on the ball? I don't know. We'll see. It's the FAU game because – Again, we're not out there to see it. Even if we were out there to see it, you don't know which one's bad and which one's good. I mean, we all thought, you know, last year that Florida's offense was going to be really, really good and Florida's defense was going to be good because 
you know, they were getting exposed a little bit in, in fall camp because of how good Florida's offense. Well, it turns out that we were both wrong. Florida's offense was yeah. really, really good. Florida's defense was, was really, really bad. Um, so, you know, I throw scrimmages out the door. Uh, obviously, everyone wants to hear about, you know, how it's going, and, and that's fine. At the end of the day, it's what FAU. It's what shows up at FAU. You can't have another Ole Miss where FAU comes out and scores 50 early on in the – you know, that happens. We're going to look at it and say – this defense is trash again. Yeah. Or if Florida's offense comes out and scores three points, we're going to say, oh, my God, this offense is terrible. Yeah, I think that first game, if FAU just drives it down the field and scores a touchdown, I think you're going to see a lot of meltdowns <laughs> right off the Fire bat. Todd Grantham? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's going to be the same note last year. But, yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot of standouts in, in scrimmages. Elksness was one of them, too, the tight end spot. Elksness did actually really good. He got most of the – most of the playing time, the second scrimmage, because guys were banged up, and obviously yeah. you don't want guys that are banged up playing any kind of anything in any kind of scrimmage. You want to save them for the first right. game of the season. But uh, curious to see what happens with that tight end session with uh, Keon Ziffer, Kamori Gamble, and uh, those guys as well. And Whittemore's even stood out too, man. I, I think that tight end position is really good. I think that we're not going to have problems at the tight end position. I, I don't care about what recruiting rankings seeing or whatever, but I think. You know, Gamble has yet to impress me, but uh, I haven't really seen much of him as well yet. But I think the tight end room, especially Keon Ziffer being that number one tight end coming there out of Lakeland, I think he's going to add a different dynamic to that offense. And he's uh, just a really big tight end. That's uh, He's got speed. He's not, a, he's not a Kyle Pitts, but, you know, nobody's a Kyle Pitts. Uh, but, yeah, the, the tight end position right now is just one of those other positions I'm excited for. So, I mean, you know, I mean, you have good things happening in scrimmages. You also have Trevez Johnson taking some spots at safety. you got Trey Dean out there, and I think Trey Dean's going to have a big year. Uh, oh, yeah. Whether he's wearing handcuffs or not on his uh, on his waist, <laughs> I think he's going to be pretty good. But, uh, yeah, you also have DeJuan Black and some, some time at nickel there. So, uh, DeJuan Black's one of those guys, really lengthy guy. Uh, really good at creating turnovers. If you know, if you've watched any kind of his high school film, JUCO film, uh, I, I just think that safety position is one of those questions I have on defense. I don't really, you know, Jason Marshall, I think is going to get that starting nod with with Jadon Hill going down, and uh, I know Avery Helms been kind of uh, contesting him for that spot, but I think at the end of scrimmages and practices, I think Jason Marshall's your cornerback uh, number two on that side, and then corner number one, obviously Kyrie Elam. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, would it shock me if Avery Helm rolls out there for the first play? Not at all. No. But would it shock me at the end of the game if Jason Marshall didn't have the most reps or most plays in the Alabama game? Yeah, it would shock me because I think he's better. Now, I say that if Elijah Blaze is healthy, Elijah Blaze is a really good player. Oh, yeah. He can't stay healthy. Um and maybe he comes in and, and is your guy to really lock it up. And Jason's able to, to be that third guy, that first guy off the bench. And um, you know, outside of trading, the safety spot for me is the question mark. You know, is it, you know, Rashad Torrance? Is it um, Travis Johnson? You know, is it, um, you know, a, a, even a, you know, a Donovan McMillan or somebody else, you know, who is it that steps up to be that guy? I don't know. I, I, you know, right now it seems like it's Rashad Torrance and, Trevez Johnson both getting those reps there. Um, DeWan Black's getting a lot of reps at nickel. Um, you know, is, where's Amari Bernie playing? Um, you know, we've heard a lot of good stuff about Tyron Hopper and Derek Wingo, um, yeah. opposite of Intro Miller. So where does that go? You know, that, excuse me, you know, it's kind of like tight end spot. 
I think there's a lot of question marks. You know, nobody's taking Kyle Pitts' spot. You know, can the group as a whole take Kyle Pitts' spot? We'll see. You're not going to ask Tamori Gamble to do what you did with Kyle Pitts. You're not going to ask Keon Zipper to do that. You're not going to ask Nick to do that. You're not going to ask uh, um, Odom to do that. You're not going to ask any of those guys to do that. How they get involved, we'll see. Uh, I think there's a lot of question marks because there's some good depth at a lot of places. You know, who's that third receiver, uh, you know, after Copeland and after Henderson? Is it Trent Rittimore? You know, Jamarcus Weston. We've all waited for Jamarcus Weston to finally be that guy. Is it him? Does Rick Wells in his 25th year at the University of Florida <laughs> become that guy? You know, I, and I say that jokingly, Rick. I, I'm, I'm just kidding with you, buddy. Uh, you know, is, is, does he take that step? Um, does Jaquavion Frazier's take that step? You know, Justin Shorter, you know, he had glimpses last year being really good. You know, is he that third guy? Um, there's a lot of depth there that you can say, hey, if this guy develops, he can be really good. That's a good thing. You know, in the in the corner spot, um, you know, obviously you lose Hill, but you you got Perkins from Missouri. You have yep. Blades that came in. You have Jason Marshall. Avery Helms finally healthy. Uh, Ethan Penalty's finally healthy. You have guys there. Now it's about no experience at, at the University of Florida there, but they have experience. Can they get in and really mesh with Kyrie Elam? And then furthermore, and that is, does Todd Grantham put them in the right position to go make plays? Yeah, when you look at the stars on paper, yeah, maybe at some positions that you don't, except for offensive line, I'm not going to even get into that, but <laughs> most of the other skill positions, and even at defensive line, if you look at stars, I mean, you, you have high-quality high school talent. I love the depth that they have, besides yeah. the offensive line, but we'll, that's a different story for a different day, but you look at it, you're right. There's question marks everywhere because you don't know really. I mean, you've lost so many receivers, and you know who's going to start with Justin Shorter and Jacob Copeland. It's it's an obvious right. there. Somebody's wearing a number one jersey. They're starting, <laughs> right. point blank. Yeah. But uh, can Justin Shorter hold onto the ball? Can he catch the ball? I mean, he, you've right. seen him on many occasions. Can he's wide Copeland hold onto the ball? Yeah, <laughs> can Copeland hold onto the ball? I mean, you've got so many things that are just in question, and you know, I mean, I think overall the team as a whole. I think there's good depth. I think, you know, he's done a good job in the portal for this year, and I think he's done a good job recruiting. I don't think he's done a great job. I don't think he – I think he, the recruiting, obviously, as we just discussed, could be better in the state of Florida. But, hey, you know what? I'm looking forward to this season, man, especially especially on defense. I expect the defense to at least be better. It can't be any worse than 108th in the nation, especially when you're playing FAU your first game. <laughs> but if it if it's any uh, – if, if it goes that way, then, uh, yeah, we're, we're in some deep trouble this year. I was reading something where they asked Lane Kiffin, you know, do you expect your offense to uh, get worse or your defense to get better? He goes, well, our defense couldn't get any worse, so I really hope they get better and our offense stays about the same. <laughs> well, I also saw Dan Mullen said that uh, we've recruited very well at offensive line. So Yeah, well, and he also said the running game was really good last year. Yeah. Two did. things that are highly questionable. <laughs> hey, but you know what? It, <laughs> uh, it, it's all sunshine and rainbows when you go to a Dan Mullen press conference. You know that, right? It's talking season. Yes, it's talking season, as the uh, head ball coach would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's uh, like you said, there's a lot of question marks, and we'll get into it more on Sunday um, as we really kind of, you know, dig into the season. We'll get into FAU a little bit more then. And, you know, again, like you said, there's a lot of reasons to be really optimistic about the season. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks, 
like I said, we just talked about the depth. The biggest question mark with the depth, there's a lot of inexperience there. Um, Xavier Henderson, Jacob Copeland, and Justin Shorter have all played. They haven't started. They haven't right. played a ton. Um, we all think Emory Jones is going to be a really good player. He hasn't started yet. We all think Jason Marshall is going to be a really good corner. He hasn't started yet. Uh, but at, at the same time, they all had experience. They all, you know, perform really well. Um, so there's a lot of reason to be optimistic. There's a lot of reason to question it. Um, again, it's the reason that's talking season. It's the reason these predictions 90% of the time suck. I mean, it just is what it is. Uh, you know, I, I was seeing something with the Alabama when they were voted number one that something like only five of the last 20 preseason number one teams have you know, it played for a national championship. That just tells yeah. you everything you need to know. Yeah, and especially if you look at average uh, recruit star ranking, I think uh, I'll, I'll give Bill Sykes a cheap plug here. I think he did, like, the tally of all the national championship winners. They recruited, like, a 4.1 or 4.2 star uh, out yeah. of, like, average it out. So, yeah, that that's a tall tale sign. But, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see, man. I, 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 I like where this team's headed. I like, you know, uh, going into game one where it's headed. I'm just curious, really, to see in game one – what they do and and some of the plays that they draw up and see how actually how Emory Jones is because some some quarterbacks are not pra- good practice quarterbacks. Tim Tebow wasn't a good practice quarterback. Um, who, who I think I was I talked to Shane Matthews about this. Shane Matthews even said it himself. I wasn't a good practice quarterback, but when I got right. out there on the field, it was you know he lit it up. So right. I mean I, I I'm just curious to see it. I, I I think too many people look into scrimmages and they they get worried and they'll they'll the earth is falling, something like that. But I, I think the scrimmages aren't really a tall tale sign of what's going to happen. So we'll see, man. Yeah, I'm interested defensively. I'm interested yeah. to see, you know, what impact Wesley McGriff puts on his defense. Yep. Um, I expect Wesley McGriff and his secondary to be much more physical, much uh, more engaged at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I expect all that. Um Again, we'll see, you know, where does his philosophy and Todd Granson's philosophies meet together? You know, uh, Jeremiah Moon's another guy. You know, we, we forget how good Jeremiah Moon can be. Yep. He's been hurt the last two years. Jeremiah Moon can be really, really good. He just has to be healthy. We forget how good Zach Carter was at the end of the year last year. Zach Carter, in my opinion, has the best chance to put a Kadarius Tony on tape, uh, and I say that in – jump into that first round. Yeah. It would not shock me at all if we're talking at, you know, this time next year and say Zach Card's a first rounder for somebody. It just wouldn't shock me. Um, he has that ability. He has that ability to really jump up. Jacob Copeland has the ability. Jacob Copeland has the ability to be the best wide receiver in the SEC. And there's nobody that can tell me any different. I, I've seen it. I, I, I know the, the guy has the talent to be that guy. Um, Lingard and Bowman, they can be the best back in the SEC without a doubt. Do they get enough touches? Yeah, we'll see how many touches they get. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this whole exactly. Year. Hopefully, it's more than well, twenty-five. Well, we're gonna we'll wrap this up, man, and um, it's been a good one. It's been a good first episode, and um, hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, we're gonna bring on guests, and you know, we'll continue critiquing and getting this thing better. And I'm excited to have David join us at Gator Country. We've been looking for that uh that that guy to help us, and uh, we got him. And uh, we're excited to do this podcast and. Uh, Excited to have, uh, you know, we're, we're going to preview, we're going to recap it and have a little fun with it. Like I said, we'll get some guests on. And if, if you got anybody that you want want us to bring on, 
let us know. We'll, we'll bring them on and got any tips for the podcast. Let us know. We'll, uh, we'll be doing that. And hopefully eventually we'll be able to do this uh, a little bit live and get some people involved as well. So uh, make sure to check us out and um, stay tuned. Yeah. And if you're going to any tailgates out there, do not, do not bring crates out there. I, I don't want to see any crates at the tailgates out there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Good news is this. Scott Strickland's not making you get a vaccine or a um, negative test. I don't yeah. know. We're not turning this into political. Don't, I honest to God, don't care which way you're leaning. I'm just telling you right now, Scott Strickland says he doesn't have the legal power to do it. LSU's doing it. Ford is not. Yeah, don't send me a bad DM for reporting that. All I had to do was report it. I, you know, yeah. I, I have to be the bearer of bad news sometimes. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's it. I don't care if you had the vaccine. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah, I'm definitely excited to be here at Gator Country, and I, you know, I hope there's many podcasts to come, and hopefully it's endless podcasts for years to come. And uh, that'll do it. That'll wrap it up for the GatorCountry.com podcast. You can follow me at GC on Twitter, and you can follow Andrew Spivey at GC as well. That'll wrap it up for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast.